0: What on earth is a trinity? On Sundays we started a series called The Forgotten God and we're looking at the idea specifically of spirit. At Commons we talk about being intellectually honest and spiritually passionate, that's always our goal, but often it can feel like spirit is secondary to intellect around here. That's largely due to my own baggage and experience with charismatic Christianity, but still, we do want to remind ourselves of a more healthy balance from time to time. However, to talk about spirit, I thought it was important to talk about Trinity as a foundation for that conversation. And the interesting part about that is just how fraught with theological terror Trinity can be. I mean, there are just so many ways we can get this one wrong. And yet I really have no interest in talking about the nature of God as a gatekeeping exercise. Truth is, all of our God talk is provisional, or at least it should be. We're talking about the nature of God, after all, and we're using language that's drawn from our experience of the world. Granted, God has offered us language and metaphors images and ways to think and talk about the divine, but to imagine that our theology can ever contain God seems at least a little naive and probably more than that, quite arrogant. That said, Trinity is really important to my conception of God, and I wanted to talk a little bit about why. Now, the first two sermons of that series are available here on the channel. You can check them out if you're interested, but here are a few thoughts about Trinity. First of all, doctrines of Trinity should, at their best, I think, help us to be more creative about the divine, not to close down our imagination of God. And here's an example of how that works theologically. Uh, we could say, God is like water, because water is a liquid, but if you freeze it, it can become a solid, and if you boil it, it's a gas, it's one molecule with three different realities just like God. That's nice, helpful even, maybe, except it's also technically heresy. Uh, This is a form of what we call modalism. And that's the idea that God isn't really three persons, but just that God appears or seems that way. Now, you can use modalism as a doctrinal club and call someone a heretic and get angry at them if you want to, I suppose. But what we're really trying to protect by ruling something like modalism out of bounds isn't so much a description of God that we can hang our hat on, it's actually about protecting the mystery of divine love. See, the Christian conception of God imagines a divine community of shared love within the Godhead from before there was anything else. God is the singular source of all that is, and God is, an eternal dance of gift and reception. So when we say that modalism is a reticle, we're not saying that we understand God and you don't, we're good people and you're not, as much as we're saying that we have to hold on to, we want to protect this mystery of divine love, to believe that God was loving, that God could be loving before there was anything else to love, and not only that, that it is this divine love shared and expressed in community that sits at the foundation of everything in the universe. To say that we believe in Trinity is to say that expressed love defines God. And this is why the specifics of Trinity are far less important to me than that we hold this mystery tightly in our imagination. And we have these beautiful images of Father, Son, and Spirit, or Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. That's good and sacred language gifted to us to speak of the divine. But the point is not to get hung up on Father and start picturing God as a man or to fixate on some specific hierarchy within the Godhead. The point is to always come back to the expansive imagination of God as loving community from before there was anything. And one of the most important implications of this comes from the 1960s with a Catholic theologian named Karl Rahner. He formulated what later became known as Rahner's Rule. And it went like this, the economic trinity is the imminent trinity, and the imminent trinity is the economic trinity. Now he's using some technical theological language here, so let's parse it out quickly. When he says the economic trinity, he's talking about God as God works in history. So God with a mission, or God with a purpose, everything that God does in the world to save humanity. Anytime we are talking about atonement, or creation, or salvation, we are talking about the economic trinity. On the other hand, the imminent trinity, uh, sometimes you might come across this uh, named as the ontological trinity, is who God is within God's self. So whoever God was, or whatever God was doing before there was a universe. And what Rahner says is that however we conceptualize God in history, however we make sense of the cross, for example, that has to be coherent with or consistent with who God is within God's self, who God has always been as this perfect community of gift and reception. And if you let that be the foundation for how you make sense of the divine, that inevitably begins to shape how you read your Bible, how you experience a sense of God in your life, how you understand God, woven throughout the text of human history as we have all of us tried to find our way back to God. God is shared love, period. And this is why our theology is at its best not when it's trying to explain God to us, but when it is doing just enough to help us learn to love like God in community. And so this is also why, in the second part of the series, when we wanted to talk about listening to the voice of Spirit in our lives, I wanted to talk about listening for that gentle, welcoming invitation of Spirit. Now, everybody's experience is different, but early in my Christian story, I was around the charismatic movement. Now, I'm not sure that was really ever my bag, but I was in that orbit for a time. And I certainly don't want to characterize that all as bad it wasn't. And there are a lot of things that added to my journey from that period in my life, things that I want to hold on to. But I did also see witness expressions of toxic authority and manipulation that were associated with, sometimes even attributed to, spirit. There was a sense that spirit could be used as a trump card for anything. But again, here's where our conception of God rooted in Trinity becomes really helpful. Because if God is an eternal dance of give and take, if God has only ever known perfect community, it seems to me, likely at least, that the voice of spirit in our lives should reflect that divine reality. The way to distinguish the voice of spirit from all of the other voices that vie for your attention is to train yourself to listen for the most peaceful, the most gentle voice you can possibly distinguish. The voice of spirit is the voice that gently listens back to you. And I don't mean by that, that God never speaks clearly to us or that God never tries to correct us. And very clearly, there are times we fall short of love. Our actions do not promote justice and healing in the world, and God continues to call us to repentance in these areas. That's part of what Spirit does in our lives. But what I mean by this is that I'm not sure the Christian imagination of God makes room for a God that speaks outside of the context of loving relationship. That's all God knows. That's what God is. So God doesn't speak at you. God speaks to you. God doesn't demand from you. God invites you to become more. And sure, God is angry at sin, but the nature of God reminds me that God is angry at what sin does to me and what sin does to those around me. God is not angry at me. God is at love expressed in relationship. God is against, therefore, anything that damages relationship. And this is why... Even though in my life, in my career, in my ministry, I tend to focus on the way of Jesus in the world, how we live toward each other by following Jesus, I think it's very helpful from time to time to jump out of that into the exotic world of discussing the nature of God, as long as that orients us back toward each other in love and it doesn't leave us debating theology endlessly. So, God is an eternal dance of gift and reception from before there was anything, we call this perichoresis, but God is also the singular source of all that has been made, the foundation of universe. And those two concepts together, in the mystery of how they coexist, this is what we call Trinity. This is also what calls us back to loving relationship with everyone we encounter in God's world.